Hey, uh, I got two things. First of all, one is um, I, I just got an email. We got about 250 guys up in the mountains at a men's retreat this weekend. And I just got an email from Randy that last night he had to run from a bear, which I think is awesome, you know. And uh, so I, I, I hope he outran it. Otherwise, we're going to see a lot more Brian, and, uh, which is cool. That's great. It's all good. But uh, I just, his wife doesn't know that. I'm looking at her. She's, yeah, he's okay. It's all right, okay, I think. Anyway, so anyway, and, uh, and the other thing is, hey, if you're one of those people that leaves early, this is not the week, okay? Um, so don't leave early, and if you have a lighter, get it out. You're going to want it, all right? That's all I'm saying, that's all I'm saying. So anyway, and if you hate what I have to say, you'll like the last five minutes. So anyway, there you go. So, hey, we're in part three of a, of a five-part series uh, about this thing called faith. And we're using Vegas, all right? And some of the things you find in Vegas, they might kind of as a parable. And a parable is just to take something uh, that we already understand and compare it to something spiritual that we don't understand and say they're kind of the same. And we're looking at this thing called faith that not just what it is and what it's not, although we certainly are are looking at that. But the the bigger question that I have about this whole thing is, why is it so many of us, and I put myself in this category, have times in our life, seasons in our life, or periods of our life, whatever, where our faith just falls apart? I mean, just just crumbles. And some of us are there right now. Some of us, you know, we, are, we, we, we used to believe some stuff, but, but now we even came back to church tonight because we're trying to figure out if or what we believe, if we believe anything anymore. Meaning this is that we used to think we had life figured out. Sometime in your life, you said life works like this, you know, God works like this, you know, whatever it is. And, 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 and then that's how you ran your life. And then something happened. It wasn't your fault. It might have been. But something kind of bumped into your life. And now your, your faith, your life, is kind of like a house of cards. And, and, it, and, it, and it fell down. And now we're trying to figure out, is it possible to lean my life against something? To have faith in something or someone that when life gets really hard, because we all know it's going to, that won't move or won't leave or won't collapse. And this whole month, we're spending in this little book of the Bible. It's almost at the end, and very few people even read it. It's called the Book of, book of Hebrews, and we're going to be there again today if you want to look in the table of contents and start finding that. But the, the Book of Hebrews is actually a letter that was written to some Christians who were about ready to quit on God. And here's why. Is, um, what, they thought if they followed God, everything would get better. They actually, it got worse. So their hard life got harder, their frustrations got more frustrating, and, and it felt like, and some of us have felt like this, that, you know, like God forgot about us, or God abandoned us, or maybe we, maybe we were wrong about him all, all, all along, and it was just all a hoax, and they were ready to quit. And again, a lot of us are feeling like that even tonight. And the message of the takeaway, the theme of the book of Hebrews, and the takeaway for this whole series, in case you do have to leave early, goes like this, don't give up yet. Don't give up. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on faith. You've got to hold on tight. And here's why. There's this thing called faith. And we all have different definitions of it. But last week we kind of landed on, you know, when God's thinking about faith, what is it that he has in mind? Here's the definition you find in, in the Bible of this word called faith. Look at the screens. It goes like this. Faith is, remember this? Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and will do everything he promised to do. Very simple, okay? Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and will do everything he promised to do. Let's just say that together. Just read it off the screen. One, two, three. Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and will do everything he promised to do. Now, some of you are going, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, just go with it tonight, okay? Just memorize that, all right? Let's do it one more time because this is so important that you remember this because every time we say faith for the next 30 minutes, this is what i got to go through our head. So, faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and will do everything he promised to do. Faith is confidence God is, is who he says he is. What do you mean? Who is he? What's he like? He, he's a loving God. He, he loves you. He, he loves you. And he's already demonstrated it. It's not like he wrote it in the Bible going, I love you. Do you believe it? No, he demonstrated it for you. 
He's already proven his level of commitment to you. That 2,000 years ago, he sent his one and only son who had no sin to take your sin, took it on himself, died on a cross. They stuck him in a hole, put a rock over it. Three days later, he walked out of that. And right now, he's at the side of God connecting you back. Connecting you back. You can't, you can't make a mistake and disconnect yourself. You can't, you know, what if I do this next Thursday? You're still connected because Jesus right now is in the process of connecting you back. And if that's true, if that's the kind of God he is, what makes you think he's going to quit on you now? What makes you think he's going to give up on you now? Because if he's the kind of God that would send his son to you, I'm, I can have confidence that he's going to do everything he promised me to do. He'll actually do it. See, God is able and can do anything. And this is what we did last week. So sometimes we ask him. That's called prayer. We ask him, God, I need you to do this, this for me. Or we even beg him sometime. And, and this is our prayer. God, I know you can. I hope you will. Right? I know you can do anything. And I'm asking. I'm praying. I'm begging you. Will you? Will you? But... However you answer my prayer, God, I still, I still believe, I have faith that you are who you say you are. And you'll do everything you promised to do, and I, I trust you. That's called faith. And here's the thing. Is sometimes we pray prayers like that. God, will you do this for me? And he says, yes, and immediately it happens. I like that prayer. Don't you? I mean, hey, God, I prayed on Tuesday. By Wednesday, things were happening. I like those kind of prayers. So, yeah, yeah, God, on that. Sometimes I pray, are you willing to do this? And his answer comes back, yes, but not today. Later. All right? And I don't really like that. Very much, or at least as well as today. But, but you know what? As long as I know it's coming, I can hang with it for a little while. All right? So I'm good with that prayer most of the time. All right? And then sometimes, ugh, sometimes for reasons that we may or may not ever understand or agree with, God says, no, I'm not willing. And we argue with him like a, a week from now? No, never. You know, late, later, later. You know, no, no, never, ever, ever. And I, I hate that answer, don't you? I hate it when God just tells me no and doesn't explain himself. And then my faith really gets stretched and my house, you know, starts shaking. And can I believe that God is still good and will keep his promises even when it doesn't feel like it? Even when I don't understand or see what's happening in my life. Which brings us to tonight's question. This is a question we kind of left hanging last week. Is What is it exactly that God has promised to do for us? What has God promised everybody who believes in him, all right? We know that some of his promises are not. We know that God has not promised anybody in this room that everybody's cancer goes away. If you pray and have enough faith, your cancer will go away, the car wrecks won't happen, cars will stay in the right lanes. I'm telling you, if you have enough faith. No, he didn't promise anybody that. He didn't promise that if you had enough faith and could muster up enough faith, you could kind of lasso him and make him do stuff he wasn't planning on doing, like heal your kid or, you know, win the lottery. You cannot faith God into doing stuff, all right? You can't say, if I have enough faith, then I'll be happy and wealthy and safe. If that's true, then God owes a lot of people in the Bible an apology, including his son, who had more faith than all of us put together and... Had a very painful life, right? So what is it that God promised you? All of us. Beyond forgiveness of sins and after we die, we go to heaven and not hell. I don't want to downplay that. That's a good one, all right? But what is it, you know, that we can count on tonight? What is it we can have faith in, have confidence, believe in, have trust in, that God will do for us tonight, right now in this, this moment? Now, hold on to that question because we're going to answer it, all right? I promise. But I'm going to leave this Vegas thing aside for just a minute. And I'm going to tell you a parable, okay? I'm going to compare a spiritual thing to something that's not spiritual at all. So just go with this, all right? This past week, I had a physical. Nothing spiritual about that. But it wasn't the big physical, guys. You know what I'm talking about. So it's just like the blood. All the guys are like, oh, good for him. That's bad. You know, all right? So just stay with me, all right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, good for you. All right, so... But anyway, so I go in there and they're drawing blood and they're looking in my eyes and, ah, and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and it's, just, it's just one of those physicals for an insurance policy and stuff like that. So anyway, then they get into medical history and they start talking about, have you ever done this? Yes. You know, have you ever done this? Twice. You know, whatever that is, have you ever done that? 
I don't have to answer that. You know, whatever that is, but yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Then they ask this question, have you ever had surgery? And I've had one. And it kind of came back to mind, I was thinking about tonight, is that a year ago, I was in a sling, you know? And some of you weren't here, about a fourth of you didn't even go to this church at that time. But anyway, um, and here's what happened. I went, I, I was, I went to the gym, and, uh, and I, was, I, was, I go there all the time. And my, my, my partner, Derek, he wasn't there that, that day, and it was chest day. So I laid down on the bench, and I was getting ready to bench press. And so I get the bar up, and I have weights on it, and I, and I do my th- three reps, you know? And, and my fourth rep, something popped in my shoulder. And I mean, then just like, like, pop, oh, you know, that's annoying. No, I mean, like, pop, you know, and, I, and then it didn't pop once, but pop, 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 pop. And I later found out that that was the muscle tearing off the bone, okay? <laughs> that's what I said, all right? So anyway, so I'm laying there, okay, and I'm like, what in the world? And the, the good thing is, is that Derek hadn't shown up that day, but there's this dude over there on another bench, and guys, you've been in the gym, and you're like, I don't want to ask somebody to spot me, but you do, and you're like, hey, dude, can you spot me? And it's like, yeah, all right. So anyway, I laid down there, and he's expecting, you know, because there's thousands of pounds on there, but anyway, you know, he's expecting just that, <laughs> shut up. Anyway, so anyway, he's just expecting just to get a couple of fingers like that, but when your muscle tears off the bone, you got nothing, so it goes boom, right? And he's like, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. So he looks at me, and I'm laying there on the bench, because this has never happened to me, and he goes, Hey, dude, you might want to go to the hospital. And I'm like, I know, I know. So I get in the car and I go to Chick-fil-A, all right, because I don't know why, because I don't know. Anyway, so later I go to the doctor and he says, yeah, I tore off the bone. We have to do surgery to connect it back. And I'm like, well, what did I do wrong? You know what he said? Nothing. I mean, did I, did I, should I have, you know, because I was using pretty good form and all that kind of stuff. He said, no, no, there's really no explanation for it, you know. It's not that you did anything wrong, it just... You know, maybe there was a little microscopic tear in there, and then when you, when you pushed on it, it tore and let go, and then it had a chain reaction, and the fiber next to it let go and let go and let go, and pop, 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 pop. And finally, I, I, by, by the next day, I had the largest purple boob I've ever, I've ever seen in my life. It's the only purple boob I've ever seen in my life. But my, my, it fell down here. It swelled. I'm like a D cup. I mean, it's hanging down here. And I'm like, oh, my, what? So they, they, they drilled holes, and they put it all back together. Now, here's the thing. Is okay. See me going, did he say D cup? I did. I did. Anyway, so now hang on to that because that's a parable. You're going, you know what? We're not leaving. I just want to see how he does that, okay? Just, just hang on. Now, let's get back to this Vegas thing, okay? Over the last couple of weeks here, we've been kind of comparing all this stuff to this thing called faith, all right? Things like, you know, that you would find in, in a casino. And here's the thing is, okay, don't, don't get upset. I'm not saying casinos are good things. I'm not saying casinos are bad things. You know, that, that's not my point, you know? Uh, putting a few... Coins in a slot machine or playing a few hands of blackjack. It's not that, that's not the point. It's not a, a big deal. But that's not what I want to talk about, all right? Here's what I want to talk about. When you hear the slogan, and we all know what this is, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know what? Winning a few dollars or a few coins in a slot machine is not what they're talking about. Did you know that? You know, winning a couple of dollars and you're winning some blackjack or we win, win a few hundreds or lose a few hundreds. That's not what they're talking about. The idea of this, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, is this. In Vegas... You can do stuff, experience stuff, try stuff, whatever you want to do, that back home, you're not allowed to do. I mean, you just can't. But in Magic Vegas, you can. And here's the thing. No repercussions. What happens here stays here. In other words, do what you want to do. We won't tell. No one will ever know. And the key word there you know, that kind of pops out of me is temptation. And temptation is just a religious word that's of those conversations you have in your head about the two deals on your table about which one I'm going to do. If I do this... This will happen, or this will happen, this could happen, this might happen. I don't think that will happen, but it could, all right? And then I got this deal. This could happen, this might happen. I, I don't know. But temptation is that wrestling match in your head of going, which one am I, 
which one am I going to go for? And the message of Vegas is this. All those things that you said I can't do, do them. Either because, you know, you deserve it, so, you know, blow it off and just do it anyway, or it's not that big of a deal, or in Vegas, you know, it is a big deal, but in this place, you can get away with it with no repercussions, and it won't matter. But, all right, this is a parable, right? A lot of us have discovered in Vegas and a lot of other areas of our life, it mattered. Right? We took the wrong deal, and it mattered. And what we hoped would stay over there didn't. It followed us home. It didn't just follow us home, it moved in with us. Right? Set up house, picked out towels with us. I'm saying it's, it doesn't want to leave. And that's some of our stories, right? Tonight. And all of us are going, you know, they're nodding our heads right going, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. I, I really, that's, what, that's my story. Most of us, we've already kind of gotten to the next step of that, of defending why we, made, we did what we did. Right? I mean, ra- rationalizations. I mean, I can make up a good argument for why I did that oh, in Vegas or whatever, all right? Like it was a special occasion, all right? I mean, if that once in a lifetime, you know opportunity. I, I had to do that. Or I was going through a really hard time and I just, I just needed to do that. Or I was really angry and I shouldn't have done it, but I had to blow off steam, you know, or I know it was wrong, but I was lonely, you know, or, or whatever. And then we start throwing blame, right? Does this sound like anybody's story? You know, it's really not my fault. You know, if my boyfriend and my girlfriend, my husband, my wife, my parents were better parents, my kids were better kids. I'm telling you, we get all the way to, and if God, have you ever done this one? Right? And if God had done what he needed to do or should have done, because I really needed him to do that for me. And I'm telling you, if he would have done his job better, or my parents, or whatever, all right, then I wouldn't have had to do this. So I'm telling you, it's kind of their fault too. I've actually looked at God and said, really, this is on you. Right? And in the book of Hebrews, the same thing is going on. These people are looking at heaven, at God and going, you know, we could use a little help here. I mean, I'm trying to do the right thing, and I'm getting nothing from you. I mean, who could blame us for just bailing on this whole thing? We've all had those conversations going on in our head. You know, like, Jesus promised he'd help us. Where is he? Ever felt like that? God promised he would, you know, you know, never forsake me, but it feels like he has. I need help now. I mean, after I die, I'm going to heaven. That's great. I'm not planning on going to heaven tonight, are you? But I need some help this, this evening, and life is just one big mess, right? I mean, I, I believe that God can heal everybody, and I love that story last week about the guy's leprosy getting healed. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still sick, Right? You know, my, my, my family, my, my person I love, they're still sick. It's the same tension today, right? God brought your marriage back together. Praise the Lord. My wife is still not a good wife, husband, whatever you want to fill in the blank with, right? And I'm about this close, this is temptation, to getting in my car and driving away. And by the way, I could do better. And as a matter of fact, I have someone in mind who I think is better. And in one phone call, I could be with them, right? These are the conversations in our head. You got a job? Good for you. I don't. You have friends? I'm alone. Your kid's in third grade? Mine died. You beat your addiction? I can't. I've tried and tried. Your life's getting better? Mine's not getting better. You feel like God loves you and takes care of you? Good for you. I think he forgot about me. And then you add on this line on the end of all your lines, and I'm about ready to, and that's temptation. So what is it that God has promised us? You know, God hasn't promised everybody an easy life or everybody a job or everybody enough money and everybody's you know, diseases to go away. What does God promise us when life is hard? When we're tempted to quit and do the wrong thing. That's what we're going to look at tonight. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Hebrews, all right? It's, again, it's, it's toward the back. And we're going to look at a couple of verses in here. The first one is just review. And then we're going to get into some heavy, heavy stuff, all right? So just hang on. If you can't get your mind around this tonight, I, I can't get my mind around all of it either. So we're all kind of in the, the same boat. But we're going to pick up in verse 14. And this is a verse we looked at a few weeks ago. It goes like this. Therefore, all right, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now, what's faith? Remember this? 
Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and will do everything he promised to do. Okay? Now, here's what it's saying. Because we have a high priest, which is a religious word for a connector, because we have a connector back to God, who's already done everything that needs to be done, left heaven, came to earth, died for our sins, back in heaven, connecting us back. Because we have a high priest like that, Jesus, the Son of God, don't let go. Don't give up. I know you want to, but remember this. God is who he says he is, and will do everything he promised to do. Now, if that's true, okay, we're going to go to the next verse. Now, before we go to the next verse, listen to this. Most, this is, I'm going to be a prophet. Ready? All right. Most of you in this room won't believe the next verse. You won't. You'll look at that and you'll go. And you'll read it two or three times. And then you'll look at the person next to you and go, that's not true. You will. You will. There are, this is the, to me, this is the hardest verse in the whole Bible to even believe. All right? I, you know, it's easier to believe in six days of creation, six 24-hour periods, than this. It's easier to think that Moses went... And an ocean opened up and walked through. It's easier to think that Jesus rose from the dead. It's easier to... Th- all the parables and all the miracles of God, All that stuff is a piece of cake compared to this verse. How's that for a setup? This is the toughest verse. If it's true, it's awesome. But it, it's really hard to get my head around that that's really true. And here it is. Ready? For, okay, so we have this Jesus, the Son of God. Don't give up on your faith, all right? And here's why. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, all right? The priest we have, Jesus... He's not the kind of priest that looks at you and goes, I don't understand. He's not the kind of priest that says, I'm unable to sympathize. And the word sympathize is really the word empathize, meaning to feel what you feel, to to experience what you've experienced, to to, to, to kind of jump into life and go, you know, I've got the same things going on in our life. Jesus is not the kind of priest who looks at you and goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. Here's the kind of priest we have. But we have one. We have a Jesus. We have a priest who has been tempted in, everybody say it. Now, you don't believe it, but everybody say it. One, two, in what? Every. In every. We have a priest, Jesus, who has been tempted in every way, just as you are, yet without sin. We have, we, look at this, all right? Jesus has wrestled with everything that you wrestle with. You got deals on the table? Should I do this? Should I do this? Jesus had the same deals on the table. The things you're wrestling with, Jesus wrestled with the same things. The things you're tempted to do, the things that go through your head and through your mind, going, should I do this or should I do this? They went through Jesus' mind as well, all right? The things that you're being tested and wrestling with and like going, I don't know if I can do this and I don't know if I should do this. I don't know what to do. Jesus says, yeah, I wrestled with every one of those too. The only difference is when I went through it, I chose the right deal. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't give up. You know what that's saying? He's saying that the kind of Jesus that we have, the Jesus that came to rescue us, the kind of priest we have, is a me too Jesus. It's me, he's a me too Jesus. We have a me too God. I thought we kind of came up with that and put it on a t-shirt. Apparently Jesus bought it up. He's a me too God. The only difference is he did it without sin and without making mistakes. And he looks at you tonight and says, hey, you know what you're feeling? I know. I know it's hard. Been there, felt that, bought the t-shirt, invented it. I'm telling you, it's really, really hard. Just don't give up. Now, Here's, I'm just going to, kind of confession time. I've heard that all my life. That Jesus has felt and been tempted by everything that I've been tempted. And I'm honestly, really, because I mean, that's a stretch, right? I mean, so everything that's gone through my mind has gone through Jesus' mind. Because I got, again, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had some pretty jacked up stuff go through my mind. <laughs> Haven't you? I mean, I have some stuff that I think if God really knew what was going on in my mind, he'd go, oh, you're just going to hell right now. You know, I'm, I'm really, I, I mean, I think, because I got some stuff going through my head. So you're telling me that everything that's going through my head, things I'm going, I think I might do that. 
Jesus has had those same things go through his head. Well, that's what the Bible says. So I said, let's just see. I made a list of stuff I'm tempted to do. All right? And I've got to be honest with you, I whittled it down. Because we don't have all night. It's a long list. All right? But uh, I, I whittled it down to, this could happen. I'm tempted, and it, it could happen. As opposed to, it's tempting, but I'll probably never have that opportunity. Meaning, meaning this, is that, you know what? You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure there are no plans to shoot the next Victoria's Secret catalog at my house. If they do, I'm going to have to update my list, okay? Because never mind. All right, but here's it, okay. So here's the list of this could happen. And guys, I think you're going to hang with me. Girls, you might have to do a little math in your head, but you can relate to most of this, all right? Let's just get to the most obvious one, okay? Because I sat with my staff, uh, the, my whole worship plan, the, the band and everything. We sat over in an office the other day and said, okay, I'm going to talk about the, the things that go through my head have gone through, through Jesus' head at the same time, okay? So I'm looking at a room that has eight guys and one girl in it. All right? And I said, so, I said so, so guys, what is the most tempting thing in your life? And like it was a wave of one word, lust. They didn't take a breath, sex. Sex, yeah, we, we, that's the most tempting thing in our life. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what does that mean? All right? By, 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 by lust, it means this, is that, and I think I speak for everyone in the room, it means this, that I am tempted to pursue sexual ex- expression outside of what God says is good. God says this, this is good. Do that. I got to be honest with you, I've been tempted to go, no, I want to go over here. And you can fill in the blank for whatever category you have. You know, opposite sex, same sex, sex with a tree. I don't know what you're into, all right, but I'm telling you, that's just the most weird thing I can think of. But anyway, all right, so we have all been tempted to do things sexually. So let me just say, so Jesus was too? Yeah. As a matter of fact, if he has the same list I have, it's really on top of the list. It really was. So, so I did some research on this. So, you know, I get on my computer, I'm Googling stuff. I've heard it said, all right, research shows that at different seasons of a man's life, a man tends to think about sex at different rates of speed. Like when, when you're really young, it's like, you know, every few seconds. Remember junior high? Guys, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. I, never mind. That's something else. Anyway, all right, so all the way, all the way, some of the guys are going, oh, dude, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're paying, whatever. All the, way, all the way till you're in the nursing home, I'm telling you, these things go through our head. Sexual temptation goes through our head. And I've got to be honest with you, there's some times in your life when sex is great. It's the right person in, in, in marriage and everything. I mean, everything is great. And there's sometimes when it's not. It's just not. Either because, you know, the person you love, the person you're with, whatever, you know, doesn't want to, can't, or, or, or they're just not here. There's times in your life when sexually, you, you know, you're tempted just to, you know, it's just easier to find, you know, gratification in an image on a screen or on a, on a, on a page of a magazine or something like that. There's times when you just want to go, you know what, I just need someone to just kind of give me props and you go flirt with the wrong person. And I, I'll, I'll just push this all the way. I, there have been times in my head when it's gone through my, through my mind that with a couple phone calls, I could be with somebody else. So you're telling me, you're telling me that all that stuff has gone through Jesus' head. Well, if the Bible's true, yeah. So Jesus, you've been tempted to, to, to sin sexually? And you got to think about it. After camping out with 12 guys for three years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. It's just, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're telling me, Jesus, you've thought about, you know, hey, baby, what's your name? Because I have. Well, think it through. You know, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that, that everything was created by Jesus and through Jesus. Everything. Everything was created by, it's all his idea. Which, if, you have, if everything was his idea, that includes sex. See, I always thought that Jesus never sinned sexually because he didn't know what he was missing. But if he would have, I'm telling you, he would probably would have gone for it. Not true. Jesus knew what he was missing. He invented it. It was his idea. The human body, the female body, he thought it up. You know, all those parts that I simply call, that's my favorite part. I'm telling you, 
Those were his idea. And I'm just going to move on because I, my mom's going to listen to this online. All right, so, yeah, he knows about it. He knows about sex. Jesus understands sex. He invented it. Then you go, well, well, did he have opportunity? Yeah. I mean, just read the Bible. Every other person in the Bible named Mary is an ex-prostitute. If he wanted it, he's like, hey, do you, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, come, come on. If Jesus wanted to have sex with the wrong person or any person, he could have. He can do anything he wants. Jesus understands. Two deals on the table. I'm going with God. All right, what about pride? Everybody's really nervous right now. Let's just go on to something easier, okay? What about pride, arrogance, you know, showing off? Have you ever been tempted to get in somebody's face and go, hey, I'm bigger than you and better than you and my stuff's better than yours and I'm more important than you? Because I have. You think Jesus was ever, you know, tempted to go, you know what? I'm stronger than you and my dad can beat up your dad, which is true, all right? I mean, his dad can beat you up. Do you think Jesus ever tempted to just kind of throw his God card and go, do you know who I am? I don't know. I just kind of went through his biographies over the last week. How about when, you know, two people that claim to follow him are having an argument about who's better and he's washing poop off their feet. You think he ever wanted to go, by the way, I'm God. How about when, you know, that Roman soldier that he created strips him naked in the middle, in front of everybody, rips the skin off his back, spits in his face and calls him king. You think he wanted to go, you want to see what a king can do? How about when he's hanging on the cross dying and the people that he's dying for are yelling at him saying if you're god you say to everybody else save yourself come down here and then we'll believe because i gotta be honest with you if i if i was hanging on the cross and people were mocking me and stuff like that it'd been tempting for me to crawl down off that cross and open up a whole new level of butt whooping i'm telling you somebody's gonna get their their butts kicked all right i'm telling you you got to think that went through jesus mind because if i was on the cross i would have invented nuclear weapons i would have wouldn't you you're not going to do that to me. How about grief? Did Jesus understand grief? How about, you know, and a guy ran up and says, hey, Jesus, your cousin, John the Baptist, he was beheaded as like a halftime party. How about when he went to the funeral of his best friend, Lazarus? Shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. He memorized the verse. There you go, right? So Jesus wept. You know where he wept? At the, at the funeral of his best friend, Lazarus. And here's the thing is, when he got to the funeral, some family members ran up and said, this is your fault. You could have stopped this. Have you ever had family members tell you the worst thing at the worst possible moment? Because Jesus did. He said, well, yeah, but Jesus knew he was about to raise him back from the, from the dead. Big deal. I've been to funerals where I know, I know the person that's laying there in the casket is not there anymore. They're actually in heaven. My heart is still broken. I've sat at the table of a mom of a 17-year-old boy that I had to do his funeral tomorrow. And she looked at me and she goes, Jim, I know he's in a better place. I know he's with Jesus. I know all that. I just want him to come downstairs for breakfast. Right? We've all been there. How about this? Um, ever had your friends turn their backs on you? Betray you? Stab you in the back? Leave you? Act like they don't know you? Happened to Jesus all the time. Ever been so angry about something that's just so wrong and unfair that you throw furniture around the room? Because Jesus did in a righteous way. Ever stayed up all night tossing and turning and sweating and praying because you know tomorrow is going to be the worst night of your, or day of your life? Jesus did. Ever been so depressed that the only way you could describe your life is the way Jesus did? I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death? Jesus did. Ever begged God to change your circumstances because they were so hard you didn't think you could do them? And God said no. Ever been tempted to look back at God and say, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to take matters in my own hands? Because those are the deals on the table for Jesus, right? And the message from God tonight is, hey, anything you've experienced and gone through and had opportunity to do and not do and choose and walk away from whatever, Jesus' response is, me too. I know. I get it. I have prayed what everybody in this room will eventually pray. It goes like this. My God, why have you 
forsaken me, given up on me, abandoned me, deserted me, left me in the lurch. That's how it all translates. I'm, Jesus says, I'm telling you, I know. I have been there, felt that, bought the t-shirt. I'm telling you, I've had the same temptation in front of me. And why is Jesus telling us this? Remember what this book of Hebrews is? I'm about done. I'm about done with the whole God thing. Because I've tried to follow him, and I'm telling you, I can't do it anymore. At least I can't do the right thing anymore. And I'm about this close to just walking away from it. And the message comes back. But whoa, 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 whoa. If we have a high priest who's gone through the heavens, if we have a God who is who he says he is, that he's willing to demonstrate and, and love you the way he has loved you, and not only that, but actually looks at you and goes, I know, I understand. If that's true, then what? Then the next verse, look at this. If we have this kind of God and he will do everything he promised to do, look at verse 16. If that's true, then let us approach the throne of grace, God's throne, with, what's the word? Confidence. Some of your verses might say boldly. I love this. You know, we looked at this last week. We have a big God. You know, he doesn't answer to anybody. He runs the universe. He says, let there be light, and there is. He keeps the planets going. He's, he's a big, huge, big, big, big God. I mean, he, he's, just, he's just awesome, and nobody, nobody can stop him. And then he looks at you and goes, but I want you to call me dad. You know how cool that is? When your dad is king, when your dad is president, here's the thing. If your dad is king of the world or president of the universe or whatever he is, okay, I'm telling you, you get to blow past security. I'm with him, all right? I mean, you blow off, you know, secret service. You don't have to even wait for an invitation. You just march in and you climb up there. As a matter of fact, it's not, it's not that you have to ask permission. It's a standing invite, Right? And the president of the universe, the, the king of, the, of everything, looks at you and says, Hey, listen, I'm telling you, you can have confidence, freedom. You don't have to hesitate at all. Just come in here and be with me. Just, just the way you are. I mean, every parent in this room, when your kids come up to you, there's no stipulations. There's no formality. You know, formality is the opposite. I mean, it's, just, it's the enemy of, of, of intimacy, isn't it? And we say, well, you get, to get to God, you've got you to do this, you've got to do this. Can you imagine, parents, all right, that your kid comes to you and goes, listen, I, I was hurting and I, I was bleeding and I was really in a bad place, but you know what? I didn't have a nice enough dress to come in here and talk to you. Well, that's keeping people out of church all over the place. Well, you know, I, I don't have anything to wear. To go to your father? Well, you know what? I, you know, I'm, if I'm with my dad, I'm sure he's going to just, he's so mad at me. Look, you're such a disappointment. You know? I mean, No. He's your father. He says, come to me. Come to me, all right? And with, with whatever you have, whatever pain you have, and you say, well, you know, my, my pain, compared to everybody else's pain in the world, it's probably not that big of a deal. You know why it's important? It's your pain. You know, I, I don't, when, when Jordan falls down or Alice in your skin or knee, I, I didn't come in there and go, you know what? There are people starving in the world. Suck it up. <laughs> it's her pain. You know, come in here and crawl up here on my lap. Why? Here it is. Let's finish that verse. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, boldness, freedom. So that we, and I'm about to answer the question, what is it that all of us can get from God tonight? What's he promised? Here it is. So that we may receive what? Mercy. If you have your, you might underline that, okay? So that we may receive mercy and find what? Grace. To help us in our time of need. Here's what God's saying, okay? Here's what he's saying to each one of you. In your, I don't know where you are in your faith. Here's what God's saying to you tonight. You can come to me with anything. You can come to your father with anything, anything. And you can ask me anything you want. Ask me. I'm your dad. Ask me for anything because you believe I can do everything. And sometimes I'll do exactly what you ask me to do. And sometimes I won't. But every time, I promise, I'll give you mercy. I will. I promise. What do you mean mercy? Love. You come to me. You know what you're going to get back from me? Not anger. Not you should have. You're going to get love from me. 
You're going to get compassion from me. I'm going to let you know that you've not been forgotten. I know you feel pinned to the mat. You're about ready to tap out. I'm going to give you some breath. I promise I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. That's mercy. And I'll supply. You'll find grace. Grace translated relief, strength. I'll give you strength. I know you're going through a hard time. I know. I went through that. I know how much strength it's going to take. I'll give you. Sometimes just enough, sometimes more than enough, but always enough strength to do what you have to do tomorrow. Whatever you have to do tonight, to face whatever you have to face tonight, to make it through whatever you have to go through, I promise. See, Jesus is saying, listen, I know you're tempted to quit. Me too. I, I, I was tempted to give it. You know, I know you want to throw in the towel and give up. I remember what that's like. I understand what it feels like to be tempted to pitch in the whole thing and say, you know what, you know, just heck with this. I'm going to do what feels better. It's just easier. I, he says, I get it. But I promise, I promise if you will come to me, Tonight, in a hospital room, in divorce court, in bankruptcy, whatever, when you, when, at a funeral, you come to me, and I promise, you will find, I will give you, I will give you mercy, and I'll give you enough strength, more than enough strength, to do what exactly needs to be done, I promise. It may not be everything you want, it will be everything you need, and it will always come at the right time. Not the time you thought it should come, but at, at the right time. And you know what my response is to that? Because he always follows it with this, do you believe me? Do you trust me? And you know what my response is back to God? I want to. I want to, but I'm telling you, I, 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 I don't think you're taking very good care of me. And you know what his response, I think to everybody in this room tonight is? You're still here. You're still here. You're still sitting up. You're still breathing. There's still hope. He hadn't let go of you. I'm telling you, I know it's hard. I know you're about ready to give up. You're this close to just walking out the door and getting in the car and just walking away from this. But you know what? You're still here. How? Grace and mercy. It's the only explanation. I got one more verse and then uh, we're going to do one more song and then, and then get out of here. But this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All right? It's on the screens here, but it's the same thing. Paul is saying the same thing that, that Hebrews is saying. He says this. Now listen. No temptation has seized you or come upon you. Or he's like, just assaulting you right now, except what is common to everybody. Meaning this, if you're breathing, you're going to be tempted. Okay? If you're not being tempted, you're dead. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's, everybody's going to be tempted. Everybody. It doesn't matter if you love Jesus or not. Everybody is going to be tempted. All right? Nobody gets a pass. But here's the next thing. And God is, what's the word? Faithful. Now, what's faith mean? God is faithful, meaning He is who He says He is, and He will do everything He promised to do. Now, you're going to be tempted. Nobody gets a pass on that. But God is who He says He is, and He'll do everything He says He's going to do. So here's what He promises to do. He will not let you be tempted. What's the rest of the sentence, though? Beyond what you can bear. He does not say, I won't let you be tempted. He will. He will. Absolutely, He, he will. I won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You say, well, it feels like it. You have no idea. Hey, folks, you feel like you're getting crushed? There's more out there. There's more out there that wants to come on you. Right? And he's saying, no, 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 no. No, it could be worse. Whatever could crush you, I won't let it get to you. I promise. But, look at the rest of this. But when, not if, but when you are tempted, and you will be, he, God, will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You know what? He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You know what that's called? Mercy. You know what it means when he gives you strength to stand up under it? You know what that's called? Grace. Grace. I promise. I'll either keep it off of you or I'll give you the strength to stand up under it. I promise. And the best example of that is this right here. See, when I'm laying on there, it's just going, all right, this is no big deal, no big deal. But sometimes, you know what? Life is harder than that, isn't it? And sometimes some heavy stuff hits your life. And life gets hard. 
And you're sitting there going, wow, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. You know what God's message is? You probably can't. You probably can't. As a matter of fact, this was not my plan or will for you. But I'm telling you, life is hard sometimes. And, but, but here's what he promises. Here's what he promises. Because this is how life feels sometimes. You feel like you're going to get crushed. You know what he says to you? I got you. I got you. Come on. I got you. I got you. I won't let it crush you. That's life, isn't it? Isn't that how you feel sometimes? You're going, I can't breathe. I think something just tore in two. And here's the thing is, all right? What did you do wrong? Nothing. Life just happens. Life is unfair. And God's saying, going, oh, I know it feels random, stuff like that. But listen, I'm in charge of how much gets put on the bar. And if it gets crushed, if it's going to crush you, I won't let it get on there. And if it starts to crush you, and you say, I can't do this, I can't do this, I got you. I got you. Here's what God promises. He does not promise to take the, the pressure off. There's no promise in the Bible that says, I will take all the hard stuff in your life away. It's not there. There's another promise. Here's another promise. If you want to write this one down. It's a horrible promise. It goes like this. In this world, you will have trouble, problems. Right? See, you don't even believe in God. You believe that. That's true. I mean, that's true. You know, In this world, life will get really, really hard. God never promises to take away all your problems. God doesn't promise to take away all the heavy stuff. God doesn't promise to make you rich and handsome and have a great marriage. God doesn't promise any of us that because people don't cooperate with God. And here's the other thing, especially the younger half of the room, listen to this. God does not promise to take away the consequences of our past Vegas moments. Right? I mean, you'll forgive it and you don't have to go to hell for it, but there's still some fallout here, meaning this. It doesn't matter how much faith you have. If you smoke, you're going to get cancer. Right? If you sleep with the wrong person, they're going to get pregnant. If you have an affair, you'll probably end up in divorce court. Right? If you break the law, you still have to go to prison, regardless of how much faith you have. He's not the magic genie saying, make all the bad stuff go away. There's bad stuff. What he promises, he promises you tonight. Whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault, or I can't figure out whose fault it is, here's the promise. You can come to me. And by the way, I run the universe. And you can call me dad. And you can blow by all the religious things that say you're not allowed to go to God. Blow those off and you come straight to me. Crawl up here in my lap. Ask me for anything. And I may do it the way you think you, I ought to do it. But I'm going to do it the way I, I know is right. But no matter what, I promise. I promise. It won't crush you. I'll give you mercy. And I'll give you strength. Do you believe me? Because that's called faith. And some of you know what? You're sitting here going, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You're still here. You're still here. But here's, here's the biggest problem, I think, in the room. Some of us are saying, I don't need God. You're a better man than me. Because I need him. Because life's crushing sometimes. And maybe, you know, you feel pinned to the mat. Maybe the reason you're here is mercy. Take a breath. There's a God who still cares about you. But here's the other thing. This is why we talk about community. And that's why I kept asking all you guys, you got to go up to this retreat. you got to go up to this retreat. Because I'm telling you, the win for that is not what the teaching is up there. The win is to get another person in your life to say, you know, me too. To go through life together. Because one day, something's going to get on the bar. And it's not that you do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. And I ripped in half. I didn't do anything wrong. Something I couldn't, I couldn't defend against came on me. And that's some of our stories. So, come to God. Just run to Him like He's your dad. And tell Him, just yell at Him. Cry. Complain. Whine. Beg and then trust him that he'll take care of you because he promises. So I'm done. Here's the thing is, all right, um, this is a great song. Uh, I think the person that wrote it, I'm not even sure they believe in Jesus. But here's the thing is, 
all truth is from God. And I think when, they're this, when, when, when they, were, they were writing this song, they had no idea that one day they're going to sing this to close out a service in church. See me going, what is it? What is it? What is it? All right? It's very simply this. All right? God, I, I want this and I want this and I want this. And his response is, I know. She can't always get what she wants. But I promise you get what you need. Isn't that true? We're going to worship at the Rolling Stones. All right? I'm just... It, how cool is this church? But I'm telling you, all right, I'm going to pray. And if you can stay seated through this whole song, I don't understand it. But anyway, that's just between you and God. But anyway, so I'm going to pray. And then uh, we're going to go home. God, I love you. And here's the same prayer I prayed for the last three weeks and the last 40 some years of my life. You frustrate me sometimes. Is it okay to say that? And I want to trust you, but I don't understand why you do the things you do and don't do the things I think you should do because it makes sense in my, in my world. And I'm asking you, would you please do this? And I'm begging you, I need you to do that. But here's the thing is, all right? If you love me, so much so that you would send your only son to die for me, then I gotta, I gotta count, I gotta lean my life on. Why would you let me down now? Even though I don't understand it and I'm frustrated, I'm ready to throw in the towel. If you really are who you say you are and you're good and you really will give me mercy and strength when our life is hard and it's confusing, then I trust you most of the time. Help me when I don't. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.